Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, another episode here of Yolitics. Thanks for being here. And as we're about to go on, I'm looking at Wheeler. He's frowning. He's look, looks like he's in a bad mood. He's stressed, man. Are you stressed? Ah, uh, yeah, I am. What, actually. What's wrong, man? What happened? It's just you know, it's the usual thing. You know, you're juggling and uh, you start running out of hands. People don't yeah, realize yeah. it's a tough job to be a podcast host. I mean, it is it's stressful. It is. We have a lot of stuff going on. Like what beer you chose? Yes, I, I and and this one, you know, I'm sure I'll get some heat for this because I'm still in the produce section. It seems like I've been in the produce section all month, uh, and w- today is no disappointment there either. We're having a uh, Shiner Strawberry Blonde today. Nice. So uh, yeah, didn't it's you have seasonal. that last time? You had a strawberry. Yeah, no, last time. I, it was strawberry a different. Fields. No, it was a different strawberry one. Yeah, and then before that, it was a citrus one, and before that, I mean, it's, it's been that way all month. Wow, man. How about you? What are you? Uh, I'm having a. Um, I don't speak Spanish, so I, I can't pronounce the name of this. But Rar and Sons makes it. It's called Adios Pantalones. You you speak Spanish. <laughs> what, what does that mean, Wheeler? You know I, what that means. I, I don't speak Spanish, so I, I uh, thought I would just have that you translate. Means, that means goodbye pants, <laughs> which uh, makes me wonder. Uh, I see a shirt here because we're on a Zoom. You don't have to wear pants for a podcast, man. You don't. So, no. So, <laughs> and there's we, no judgment here. Hmm. So here we are. But yeah, I'll tell you who's stressed right now. Oh. Speaking of which. Yeah. How do you like that segue? I was working on that one. That was actually pretty good. I'll tell you who's stressed. Besides you, uh, likely are are state lawmakers down in Austin because we have exactly um, seven days left of the legislative session. And one of the things they talked about early on in this, especially since February, you know, the gavel into session in January uh, and then here in February, we had the ice storm less than a month into the session, and they just cleared the deck and said, oh, we're going to work on here. The priority, the main thing is getting this energy problem fixed, making sure we never lose power again. Did I lose my mind or at some point in the early portion of this session, did they say something along the lines of, this is the number one priority. We're not going to do a bunch of other stuff until we get through this. Am, am I right about that? Yeah, yeah, you did. That's how I recollect it, too. I mean, maybe okay. we need to go back and, and, and rewind some uh, some audio and listen to it here. But I think you're exactly right. Because here we are uh, as the clock is ticking down. And now uh, this thing is being rushed through. And it is, you know, depending on who you ask, nothing like the comprehensive overhaul that a lot of people might have been expecting to make sure that we don't go through something like that ever again. Let's not lose sight here because it's easy to forget you know, this was just you know several months ago. It feels like it was way further back than that because the news moves faster these days. Uh, but at least a hundred Texans, some analyses say two hundred Texans died 
because of that winter storm, in many cases uh, from hypothermia, because they lost power for days and days and days as we just you know went down to, to near zero uh, degrees outside. And in a lot of cases, people were freezing on the inside. Uh, on top of that, uh, 70% of people who are served by ERCOT, which is the grid operator here in Texas, 70% of them lost power during this whole thing at some point during this whole thing and many of them lost it for days and days this was a significant event it was significant and and lawmakers did promise that state leaders promised this was going to be priority number one but you know since then we have seen permitless carry pass we have seen the heartbeat bill pass we have seen uh the voter the, the voting changes pass or get very close to passing uh, as well, there there are a number of other things that have passed. Of course, the, you know the, they're not going to just consider one bill the entire time. But you would think if this is the biggest priority, that this would be something they would work on first and then handle the other things uh, as as they fall in. Well, so this, I, it affects everything. It affects business. Yeah. It affects being able as a business owner to count on the fact that you're going to have enough electricity. This affects every single one of us. I think we all take it for granted that in the morning we're going to flip on the light. Our air conditioner is going to be working uh, and, and that we can count on these things. And as we saw in February, you can't always count on these things. And now we wonder, you know, are we going to be able to count on it when we get into the hottest parts of summer? It's one thing to deal with an extraordinary winter storm, but there's been a lot of concern about summer. Yeah. And so here we are six or seven days left in the legislative session. And they are still lawmakers are still trying to figure this one out, trying to figure out what to do. So we got two people on the line for this podcast here. We're going to talk to them individually. But the first is a, uh, a guy named Adrian Shelley. He's mm-hmm. not the first we're going to talk to here, but he's one of our, our first time. He's it's the first time this guest has appeared with us. Uh, he works for uh, Public Citizen. Public Citizen, as you guys probably know, is, is a big, um, how would you describe them, Jason? More of a consumer, consumer watchdog? I, I would say that they are consumer advocacy because yeah. so often, especially with big debates like this on the whole electricity debacle here in Texas, there's a big old table set up in Austin and it's got lawmakers and it's got industry. And you know who oftentimes does not have a real prominent seat at that table? Me you and me and all exactly. the other consumers all around the state. Yeah. And so that's what they do. That is their thing. They call themselves totally nonpartisan, they are out for the consumers, whether those consumers be Republicans, Democrats, independents, none of the above, all of the above. And so Adrian's going to talk to us in just a minute here about why these uh, legislative bills that are still being debated here in the final hours of the legislature are kind of all talk and no teeth. He's reading the fine print on these and he has some pretty good uh, explanations on, on why that's the case. But our first guest we're going to talk to here in just a moment is a guy named Kurt Morgan. Uh, if you're in the business industry, you probably know him. People in Texas may know him. He runs Vistra Corporation. Vistra Corporation is the largest supplier uh, or generator of electricity in this state. They own Comanche Peak out towards Granbury, the nuclear power plant there. They own uh, power plants all across the state. And when the when the temperatures dropped back in February, um, Vistra was ready. They had winterized and weatherized a lot of things, but still they lost a lot of their natural gas powered electric plants. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, Kurt Morgan has been one of the CEOs who has just been in Austin, who's been on the phone with people trying to make sure that something substantial is passed. 
His company lost a, more than a billion dollars, $1.6 billion in that week. On the other side of the equation, natural gas companies, they made billions mm-hmm. of dollars. Some people have said this is the largest transfer of wealth in Texas history <laughs> in a matter of six or seven days. But Kurt Morgan uh, does not do a lot of interviews with folks. In fact, I, I looked up, uh, you know, the last interview I could find, I think. I'm sure he's done some since then. But like it was CNBC, like in 2018, 2019. So he just it's doesn't It's different, do though, when you see Jason Whiteley on your caller ID. It is, and people you know? usually answer. I, I can't get you to answer, but people usually answer when <laughs> they see It's because I know you better than they do. Unfortunately so. So anyways, we got, we got Kurt on the, uh, Kurt's on the, on the call here with us. Kurt, thanks for being here with us today. Thank you, Jason. Great to be here. The, the legislature is closing in on its final week. Uh, do you think state lawmakers have adequately addressed this problem to prevent it from happening again? Well, not yet, but they are getting close. And uh, I do get I commend them because I've been in some of the hearings and I've watched most of them. They've done a a really good job and dug in uh, like they never thought they'd ever have to on energy issues. And they have, I think, two very good bills that are that are really close. They're inching toward the finish line that I think will address the big issues. You sound pretty confident, though, considering there there is still another week to go in the session. I just think it's too big. It's too big. It's, it's, it's about the people in Texas. It's also about the economy in Texas. We have the number one economy in, in, in the country. Uh, you know, Governor Abbott's done a heck of a job bringing in companies. But when I go to a meeting, a, a chamber meeting, and I hear Texas Instruments say, we're, we're thinking twice about putting in a semiconductor plant because of electricity, we can't miss on this one. We have to have electricity. It is fundamental to everyday life for businesses and people alike. And when it's that big a deal, it's my view that elected officials will come together and do the right thing. Have you heard that from Texas Instruments? I did hear that. I didn't hear them say that they were uh, not going to do it, but they said it made them think. We saw you as the first witness to testify in a House committee. You've since written op-eds for the Dallas Morning News, for the Houston Chronicle. Why are you specifically coming out so strongly, uh, you know, taking a position on this? Well, look, I, I think we, we did something that I, I thought I would never see in my career. We took a product, electricity, that we all wake up with and we take it for granted, which I am fine with. That means we're doing our job. And we create a situation where people are now worrying about whether they get electricity or not. And that should have never happened. There was a lot of focus on reforming ERCOT, changing the way ERCOT is made up, a lot of focus on the Public Utility Commission, both of which oversee uh, electricity in the state. There, there hasn't been the same focus on the Railroad Commission. Are, are lawmakers missing the boat on that? That's a complicated issue with the Railroad Commission because of its relationship in the Constitution of Texas. Uh, I would only say this, that I'm still looking for what entity in the state of Texas that has oversight and regulates the gas of price on the intrastate gas pipeline system. There isn't anybody. And we have a, a, a market monitor and we have an enforcement arm in the PUC that looks at every single transaction in the electric side. And there's just not symmetry there. Um, so I do believe that we need uh, different type of regulation on the gas business inside the state of Texas. I think it should be looked at and it ought to be similar to what the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, the rules that they have in place for the interstate gas pipeline system. 
So, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's symmetry there, and I think that's part of the issue. Mr. Morgan, we appreciate your time. Thank you. So there you have it. That, that's the electric point of view on this, that gas is not being regulated as much. Um, but like we discussed a moment ago, but when we're talking about Adrian Shelley, the one person that no one has talked about since February is the consumer. Yeah, you know, I found interesting there is that, you know, we've got him uh, there representing, you know, the the electricity uh, industry. And, you know, he says, yeah, we've got some some good legislation that's moving forward here. But then, you know, as he talks, you know, you hear these holes opening up in that legislation, the things that he says it's just absolutely not addressing. And he's not even getting to the stuff that Adrian Shelley is uh, likely to get into with us here uh, because he's coming at this uh, with the view of the consumer. How is this protecting average consumers out there as well as businesses out there that rely on that electricity as we were just talking about? So uh, Adrian is here on the line with us uh, to talk more about this and, and what this bill, you know, what these bills do and what they don't do. And Adrian, you've really been watching this as it's kind of been playing out in the past few hours, right? Yeah, so last night the Texas House heard Senate Bill 3, and this is uh, the one big winter storm electricity failure response bill uh, that's been working its way through the legislature. It was uh, a lengthy debate yesterday, maybe four hours or so. We looked at about 30 amendments, both good and bad to the bill. Uh, You know, public citizen as consumer advocates interested in electricity policy, we had low expectations, but high hopes for the bill, let's say. Um, there were a couple of things we'd identified that lawmakers could have done differently or better that we wanted to see. Uh, you know, now that it's said and done, I uh, can't say that we've got a better or stronger bill than we had going into the process. You know, at this point, we're looking at this mostly as a missed opportunity. Um, not strong enough mandates, clear enough timelines, uh, just not enough done on the consumer side of things. Um, you know, at this point, uh, we're, we're seeing a bill that just doesn't go far enough to uh, protect Texans from the next storm, to protect consumers from high electricity bills. Uh, you know, just, just not enough done. Hey, Adrian, walk us through that because the bill passed 143 to 1. The Senate bill passed the House 143 to 1. So, uh, you know, on the outside, we hear that it does require weatherization. Um, there's, I think, Charlie Guerin's bill, uh, House Bill 3648, separately requires registration, and then there's mapping that's also included. Why isn't this strong enough when, once you get down to the fine print? Yeah, so, you know, this is the big winter storm response bill, right? So those votes are not surprising. You wouldn't expect members to to vote against it. Uh, you know, it, it is going to pass, and, and the vast majority of our lawmakers will uh, tell us that they've responded to the storm, right? And the Texans can, can rest easy. Their work is done. But, you know, let, let's get into where it falls short. So uh, on the electricity generator side of things, right, and on the uh, particularly the, the oil and gas supply chain side of things. What we've got is a, a really narrow effort, right? Um, there's going to be a rulemaking um, that will set guidelines for weatherization. That rulemaking won't even begin until the fall. It'll take, you know, six months at least. So the next winter is already not accounted for. 
um, the rules that are produced will be narrow in applicability, right? So, uh, you know, a, a well, a gas supply chain entity, a pipeline, it will have to be directly in the electricity supply chain and it will have to be designated as critical load uh, in order for it to be required to implement these rules. Uh, you know, electricity uh, uh, generators have told us, you know, they can't trace the gas back all the way through the pipelines to the specific wellhead. Uh, you know, they don't have the ability to do that. So it's going to be up to the gas suppliers essentially to designate themselves as being in that supply chain and as needing to abide by these new rules. And, and something crucial happened there last night. There is a new um, electric supply chain security and mapping committee that's being created in SB3, right? So that committee will be created. But last night, the House uh, uh, sponsor of the bill, Chairman Chris Patty, introduced an amendment that's going to exempt that committee from all open meetings, open records, administrative laws. Uh, so it's going to be doing its business out of the view of the public. Right. And why? Uh, why? Why do they do that, Adrian? What are they hiding? I, who's to say? Right. Uh, you know, this amendment came as a surprise to us. It was a small part of a big amendment that the sponsor uh, offered. It was the first one. He said it was mostly about cleanup. You know, it, it, it kind of struck snuck through. And I mean, that's a significant restriction. Right. I mean, this supply chain mapping committee, this is the one that's going to be deciding what parts of our electricity and our gas supply infrastructure have to abide by these new rules, right? And all of its business is going to take place without the benefit of open meetings, open records law. Now, that's we hard. should say uh, uh, Representative Aaron Zwiener out of Dripping Springs got an amendment to that amendment that's going to make that process accessible to lawmakers, to legislative inquiries, but not to the public. That's hardly, um, now, the trans that's hardly the transparency that we were promised going into this, that we're going to make this a much more transparent system for Texans to understand, uh, since we all rely on the grid, of course. The first thing, you know, maybe I'm a cynic, Adrian, uh, but the first thing that pops into my mind when I hear about that is, you know, lobbyists. Uh, is, is, is that what this is about, the ability to have these meetings behind the scenes to set the rules and allow, you know, lobbyists in to sort of help out with that process? What has the lobbying effort been like uh from big industry as far as electricity is concerned and where does the consumer sit in that yeah so you know a close reading of this bill you're going to see lobby particularly the natural gas lobby influence all through it right and there were significant restrictions on its applicability to the gas industry uh, that were added yesterday right so uh, the lobby influence is is clear through this bill um now for those of us who have worked in, you know, the electricity infrastructure, the petrochemical infrastructure space for a long time, uh, you know, ever since September 11th, 2001, uh, the um, excuse has been that this is a matter of national security, right? That we're worried about terrorists. But, you know, the fact is for 20 years, we have been tightening down, tightening down on public access uh, to these decision-making processes. And, and as we saw in February, you know, this, this electricity supply chain stuff, I mean, it is essential 
for all of us as individuals to, to understand how this stuff operates and to have assurance that it's functioning, that it's reliable, and that it's working for Texans. And, you know, we just don't buy the argument that there are such uh, a national security interests that the public doesn't need to have any access to this, you know, supply chain mapping or, or rulemaking process. We just don't buy it. Again, we see the influence of the natural gas industry and of the utility industry all through this bill. And then, Adrian, another place where the, the bill seems to fall short and has since day one that I've read is the penalties for these companies that don't weatherize. I mean, a thousand dollars for for not weatherizing—that's the penalty. That that's not even that's not even a rounding error to me for these companies that are that are making billions of dollars off this storm. That's right, and there was an amendment introduced last night uh, that would have increased penalties, and the House sponsor Chris Patty. Uh, pointed to the million dollar cap on penalties, right? But as you correctly say, uh, the low end penalty is $1,000. And in fact, all but the most serious violations are capped at $5,000. So really that whole 5,000 up to a million, you're only gonna see penalties like that in the most severe cases. If you are a well operator and uh, you're looking at the cost of weatherization of each of your wells, you're easily looking at fifteen, twenty thousand dollars for a single well. So a penalty in the one to five thousand dollar range, again, it's it's absolutely nothing to you, right? And, you know, we don't know what the most serious uh, violations of these rules will be because the rules haven't been made yet, right? Uh, but we do think that there's a real lack of teeth on this. I give you another example of that. Once the rules are made, there's no deadline for companies to follow them. It says within a reasonable time. And another amendment that failed last night would have put a six month deadline. Once the rules are in place, companies would have six months to meet them. So we already know with the given timelines, we won't have rules implemented by the next winter storm. Depending on what a reasonable time to implement those rules are, it could be two, three years out before we have rules in place. And it's going to be up to the commissions, the Railroad Commission that regulates oil and gas and the Public Utility Commission that regulates the electricity utilities. It's going to be up to them to decide what the reasonable timeline is. While we're on the subject uh, of talking about the money end of this, Adrian, uh, noticeably missing is how it all gets paid for. Uh, and, and and I think that you know most consumers thought you know, maybe thought that the legislature would meet, they would solve all this, it would all be laid out, it would be paid for and done. Uh, Is it probably going to come back to the consumer to pay for all of this if it does get done? Yeah, you know, I think there's a major concern here uh, for consumers about the effect of this. Now, uh, there was one protection that everybody was focused on, the so-called wholesale index uh, plans. This is like the gritty plan, right? That resulted in some people being hit with, you know, thousand, ten thousand dollar electricity bills. Now, the original bill did have a complete ban on these uh, so-called wholesale index funds. That was changed significantly. There is now a cap on these funds. The cap is going to be two hundred percent of uh, the price of the previous month's bill. So. Uh, it, it, it puts some guardrails on, which is good, um, but there's not the consumer protections that we would have wanted to see. And, you know, notably, there's not uh, the answer to this question, how are we going to pay for it, right? 
This is a good time to point out that, you know, there were some attempts to assign certain costs to certain types of generators. So getting right to the point, wind and solar companies are constantly under attack at the Texas legislature, right? So there were some proposals that would have pinned certain transmission reliability costs directly on wind and solar. Most of the worst of that was taken out of Senate Bill 3, um, but there are still real open questions about uh, you know, how we're gonna pay for weatherization, how we're gonna pay for some of the uh, uh, electricity grid infrastructure uh, upgrades that are needed. You know, We haven't answered those questions yet, and we certainly haven't put any funding for any of these programs into the bill. Adrian, this sounds a lot like 2011. I mean, the legislature says we're going to act, we're going to get this fixed, we're going to change it. And then at the end of the day, you know, once things had settled, this became a little bit of uh, recent history for everyone. They just kind of, uh, you know, put a bandage on the problem. The bandage quickly came off. Um, But I'm curious whether you're hearing any chatter anymore about a special session for this, maybe in July. I know that was kind of all the talk a few weeks ago. Um, since Governor Abbott says he wants something substantial passed, and rightfully he needs it passed since he has a few primary challengers now. Yeah, well, you know, you're right to look all the way back to 2011 for this. We had a very similar storm, a similar failure of our electricity grid. And, you know, we had a legislature that just didn't go far enough. And I'm afraid that that's happened again. You know, we have the benefit of looking back 10 years or more, um, but collective memories are short. And I think that the narrative that's going to come out of this session is that Senate Bill 3 is the reform that we needed, that we can trust that our commissions are going to make rules, they're going to fix this problem. And I think that people that have elections coming up are probably going to be running on uh, the success of this legislation. And you know, for that reason, I think there's a good chance that you're not going to see a special session on this because lawmakers want to call this issue solved, right? And I'm not sure who's going to counter that narrative. Bringing in a new session, a uh, special session, just on the issue of electricity, reliability, consumer protections, that's going to be an acknowledgement by the governor uh, that the legislature and that the bill he signs into law didn't solve the problem. And I'm not sure you're going to see that acknowledgement from anybody. We just talked about the vote on this bill. You had, what, one dissenting vote, 140 members, four out of 150. I don't think you're going to hear a lot of people pushing the narrative that more needed to be done uh, to ensure that we've solved this issue. So, you know, you may not hear about this again in a special. Adrian, why couldn't we have gotten something better this time around? I mean, we were going into this. So many people suffered during this uh, hard freeze. Uh, So many people died here in Texas. So many people lost lots of property because of this. Why didn't we get something better? Here we are in the waning days of this legislative session. It's, you know, being sort of rushed through at the last minute when this going in was supposedly going to be the big priority, the huge thing that if we get nothing else done, we're going to get this done and we're going to do it right. You know, I think we've already uh, uh, identified the reason. It's the control of special interests of lobbyists from the energy industries in the decision making process. Um, There are major blind spots in this bill and in the entire legislative session. Um, 
We haven't done anything on the demand side, on the consumer side of the problem, right? If we reduce the energy that we use, uh, then we will use our energy more effectively and we will avoid those uh, pinches at peak demand times, right? And investing in energy efficiency is investing in people's homes, right? And weatherization in right-sized HVAC for homes and small businesses, right? We can invest in distributed generation solutions, things like solar panels on schools, on community buildings, uh, you know, loan programs for solar panels on people's homes, uh, battery storage devices that deployed intelligently across the grid. You know, these kinds of demand side solutions are not in the bill and, and really haven't been discussed this session. There were energy efficiency uh, targets that didn't make it out of committee. Uh, there were you know, new incentive programs for consumers who want to reduce their energy use, who want to invest in clean energy. Those bills didn't make it through session and they didn't become part of the conversation in Senate Bill 3. Senate Bill 3 became about the electricity utilities, the gas utilities, negotiating about how much they would have to do, right? And that is where the conversation landed. And, you know, unfortunately, what we got is uh, some fairly weak mandates. We're going to make some rules and we're going to, you know, implement those rules in a reasonable time, right? And, and you know, we're going to work closely with the utilities to get those rules made. So, you know, meanwhile, uh, uh, voters are going to move on to the next issue. Uh, temperatures are going to warm up. You know, there's a lot of grieving families. There's a lot of people still working to get back into their homes to repair their lives. But collective memories are short. And if we follow this narrative that Senate Bill 3 and the other bills that have been passed solve this issue for Texans, I'm afraid we're going to have to wait more for real reform. Adrian, before we let you go, one other question. You mentioned special uh, interests being involved in this. From afar, I'm looking at this and I see that the Public Utility Commission, which oversees electricity, that got blown up. Uh, ERCOT, the, the manager of the state's power grid, that got blown up. Um, I, I don't see a lot of change to the Texas Railroad Commission, which regulates oil and natural gas in this state. It seems like the special interest is pretty darn strong on the gas side of this. I think you're right to point that out. And I think we've seen that from the Railroad Commission from the very beginning, uh, you know, since February, right? We had hearings just after the storm in which the Railroad Commissioners, Christy Craddock, came to the legislature and said, you know, there were not widespread failures on the production side. Uh, the gas generators who needed that gas told a different story, but you really didn't have uh, anyone countering that narrative. Uh, we saw a significant restriction as the bill was being negotiated on its applicability uh, to the oil and gas industry. As we just pointed out, um, last night's edition of, uh, you know, only facilities that are directly in the supply chain that leads to the electric generation. Those are the only facilities that are going to be covered. Uh, it's extremely narrow and, and, and you see uh, the oil and gas industry's influence in that. I think that's very clear. Also, we need to talk about the fact that this bill was used as an opportunity, again, to attack uh, the wind and solar industries. Now, a, a lot of the worst parts of that were stripped out of the bill, which is good. Uh, but just look at where the debate occurred, right? It was, you know, how strongly are we going to attack uh, the wind and solar industries? Uh, you know, how much of the oil and gas industry can we exempt 
for what we'll be doing. Um, you know, that's where the conversation really happened. And, and again, you just have to see that as the influence of the oil and gas industry on politics in Texas. Which is kind of odd, too, because when you really look at it, uh, wind and solar have become substantial industries in this state with a lot of people's jobs counting on those as well. Uh, my last thing for you uh, today, Adrian, is I think that there are people out there who would hope for at least could we have gotten X. And I think for a lot of people that X is, will we at least have a better system going forward so that if I'm included in these so-called rolling blackouts the next time this happens, uh, that it won't become a permanent blackout for days and days and days as we saw uh, this last time around. Or that it won't black out things that shouldn't have been blacked out like a water treatment plant as happened during this. Is that even going to get better? So we'll see, right? There are new procedures to designate more facilities as critical load. Now those procedures already existed, right? Uh, uh, anybody could have registered, but hopefully we'll have a better process going forward, right? And there's new technologies out there. There's all the smart meters that so many of us have in our homes. You know, we could have uh, uh, mandated new software that would have allowed those rolling blackouts to proceed a little bit more intelligently. We will have to wait for that, but the technology is coming, right? Same with battery storage, right? We could have put, uh, you know, more incentives for uh, battery storage and other solutions like that. You know, we made some rule changes that'll make batteries participate in a little bit more intelligent ways in the market. But again, that stuff is coming and we could have incentivized it, right? We could have sped along its adoption. Uh, you know, we may not have stood in the way. We may have taken some of the worst policies out of the bill, but I don't think we're going to see anything that's going to push us more aggressively toward those intelligent solutions, battery storage, new technology, distributed generation. I don't think we're going to see that progress more than we would have without Senate Bill 3. I I think you've hit on the big, bold headline uh, for this whole effort, and that is uh, something that you repeated there over and over again. We could have. I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe just one more example of that to illustrate how, you know, where we've gone and how far we could have gone. There was a bill that was introduced just after the storm. Uh, it was called the Power Act, House Bill 3460 would have provided direct payments to people who were impacted by the storm, $1,000 to $2,500 to families who lost loved ones, who had pipes burst, you know, who are still not back in their homes. Power Act hasn't progressed in the Texas legislature, and we didn't even get a debate about direct payments to people in Senate Bill 3 last night. There's just no conversation about how can we directly help people were impacted by the storm. The focus is on our utilities, our, our special interests here in Texas. How much are we going to force them to do and how much can we get away with pushing off until the next time? It's just really unfortunate where the debate is in Texas these days. Consumers are going to have to wait. Well, uh, you know, that's that's not great news, you know, to be told that we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait to get maybe some some better rules in place, some better actions to make sure that this doesn't happen again, because it has happened before. I mean, yeah, the scales were different, but, you know, 2011 and before that, we saw it happen. What was it sometime in the 90s uh, where we had these major weather events and we had these huge blackouts yeah. and we just keep on it's like we keep on having to learn the same lesson here in this state 
There was a movie about that, I think. Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day. Yeah. That's correct. And it, uh, Groundhog Day is uh, February 2nd, and uh, that's not this too was, far away from when this, uh, yeah, this, this winter storm event was. T- two, two things Adrian mentioned that, that, that really should be of concern to people. The first is the amendment that essentially lets this whole rulemaking body work outside of, of the public eye, and they don't have to be transparent. They can do everything, uh, have witnesses, have, you know, everyone come forward and, and handle this behind closed doors. That's a concern because if they're creating rules that all utilities must follow in the state, that's a problem, uh, in my opinion. And secondly, he said, too, this is what happened in 2011. Once rules are made, there's no deadline for those companies to follow them. Now, of course, things could change in the next six days that the legislature mm-hmm. is still in session. Uh, but in the past, lawmakers like to leave on Friday or Saturday so they can be home for the Memorial Day weekend, even though the, the legislature technically ends on the 31st, on Monday, the 31st of May. Uh, there's usually not a lot of work being done then. Yeah. I don't know. I feel kind of um, not too optimistic about this because, and, and you know, maybe it's just my worldview because... Let me just tell you right now, Jason Whiteley, uh, if you give me a new rule to follow and then you tell me that there is no timeline for me implementing that new rule, Not chances are that new rule is <laughs> never going to be implemented, especially if that new rule doesn't really benefit me and, in fact, costs me. Yeah. No, you're, you're exactly right about that. that that's, you, you mentioned it a moment ago. There are holes in this. I mean, I think there are massive holes in this thing. I think it's um, not what a lot of people were expecting no. when they heard all of the rhetoric after that winter storm, and people were mad. They were upset. They wanted lawmakers to do something this time. Lawmakers could feel that. It was palpable. And then it all just sort of faded away as we got the new news of the day and the new news of yep. the next day. And so that faded away along with that anger and that momentum and that push. And oddly, you know, we see so few things, it seems like, that are truly by bipartisan uh this is pretty bipartisan and and as you know as uh, but as adrian was saying who's going to vote against a bill you know to try to make things better for the electric grid after we have something like this and so it might be touted as hey we solved this issue and we came together across party lines what's left in parentheses there is that maybe we could have had something a whole lot better you know yes you did something but could you have done something a lot better and that's what adrian is saying that yeah it could have been way better than this but you know we won't cross that path again until we're right down in the thick of it again yeah i'm gonna give lawmakers the benefit of the doubt we have six days left i'm gonna i'm gonna cross my fingers that they actually uh you know pass something substantial out of this i'm i'm not holding out a lot of hope on that but we, like you said, we are not going to know whether any of this stuff works until the next time it falls below freezing, below zero in some cases, and we'll see how well things hold up. Well, Here's I've said thing, it over though. and over again. You know, we've got these days left. Uh, every time we talk to one of these lawmakers about one of these hot button issues, I ask them, does it matter if people call your office? Does it matter if people email your office? And to a person, they always say, oh, yeah, we pay close attention to that. And the last time we heard from a lawmaker, they said, especially the phone calls. We really listen to what the phone calls have to say. So if you're one of these many, many, many millions of people in Texas who went through this and you're not happy with what you're hearing, or if you are happy with it, 
let them know. Let them know so they can start keeping that tally sheet of people who are happy and people who are not. My guess is that there's probably going to be some people who are not happy come May 31st or June 1st once they see what this thing actually uh, has in it. The the fine print of this Mm -hmm. bill, whatever passes, that the governor has maintained this has got to pass. Um, I I don't think folks are going to be that happy with it once they really dive into it. We shall see, though. I, I, mm. I, it, it's, it's disappointing considering what everybody went through. But mm-hmm. that said, I'm going to finish the, uh, the rest of my adios pantalones. And you say that, that means goodbye pants, huh? Goodbye pants. I think yeah. that's one of my favorite uh, beer titles ever. I, <laughs> I've got to get that. It's pretty good. It's a, uh, you know, Rar and Sons makes this in Fort Worth. It's a cerveza de sesión. Uh, beer a, with a, lemon and beer. lime. A beer of the season, a seasonal beer. See, I, I'm going to have you translate all my stuff, man. I'm getting you, good at this. You are pretty good. Um, all right, so as Jason, you know, sits there and has his beer uh, and thinking about no pants, uh, I think we should probably wrap it up here. Uh, hey, by the way, how was the strawberry beer, man? It's Since really good, actually. I'm, I'm enjoying this. It's a, it's a lighter. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I've already made it past half the can, which is unusual. That is unusual. Usually, you know, I toss it after that. Uh, So thanks as always for listening, everybody. We will do it all again next week.